Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matt, we are joined by a return guest, uh, a man who took us down the nature trail to hell a couple albums ago. And in now, 3D. In 3D. <laughs> and now I never anticipate anyone to pick a polka, but yet a few people have. And today we have a man picking the Hot Rocks polka. Christian of Marvel Movie Talk and the Geekscape Book Club and a ton of other geeky podcasts. Christian, welcome back to the show. I'm very happy to be here. It's uh, very exciting to uh, talk about uh, a song and a style of song that was completely lost on me for probably the first 14 years of my life. The 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 <laughs> the uh, polka medley, uh, you know, and I think that uh, the one we're going to talk about today might actually be the moment where it hit me like, oh, that's why these are so great. <laughs> so let me ask you, so before I even dive into this polka, I think the big question is to start off with all of our feelings on the Rolling Stones. Are we fans? Do we love them? I know that they're frequently kind of second place to the Beatles as like greatest or most important rock band of all time, according to journalists. Where, where do we land on all well, this? Well, the, the listeners cannot see this, but Christian is sitting in front of us wearing a Rolling Stones t-shirt. So I'm going to assume that he's at least something of, and he picked this parody, this yeah. book. I feel like that says a lot about your take right away. But let's start with that. Well, yeah, Christian. I think that uh, I definitely uh, grew up a, a fan of the Stones. And I think that uh, obviously there's, you know, in the 60s, there's this idea, are you a are you a Beatles guy or gal? Are you a Beatles person or a Stones person? And it really says a lot about uh, who you were as to which one. The difference really is that, you know, we have almost 55 more years of the Rolling Stones. Now, granted, they haven't made music yes. during all that time. So the body of work is a lot easier to point at. I mean, the Beatles were long disbanded by the time we got Exile on Main Street. And we could, we could stop right there and be like, they're a great mm -hmm. band. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, I saw them probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, I saw them in Vegas. My dad somehow had never seen them because, uh, wow. the only time he tried to see them, he had driven out to California and he, they were going to go to the concert at Altamont, which if you know anything about the stones, oh, that didn't end geez. very well. So, uh, he was, oh, he boy. always felt glad that they, ch he changed his mind and didn't go to that show. <laughs> but so I went and look, they're still great. I mean, Keith barely moves. Mick in his like almost 80 year old, you know, physique moves more than I did even in my early twenties. And it's impressive yeah. to watch. 
yeah, they pretty much come out and play the hits. As far as I can tell, though, they're singing live, which you can't say about a lot of bands anymore. They have a lot of backup singers. So it's still a great spectacle. And the music, uh, I think, for the most part, really holds up. And uh, so still a fan for sure. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, even if even if you compare only the the time where the Beatles were recording and the Stones were recording, they're still right up there. You can you can pick whichever one you want. And I, everybody yeah. wins. So I've been of the mind. I, I'm still on a Rolling Stones journey here right now. But one thing that I've always thought was that it's a kind of a it's an unfair comparison. It's a real apples to oranges on the Rolling Stones versus the Beatles, I think. Yeah. And I've heard people make this argument now in the last like 10 years than ever before. But really, the better comparison would be like Beatles or Beach Boys as they were like both doing a lot more experimentation with sound, whereas Rolling Stones have always just been a blues rock band that like would dabble with studio stuff. But like the Beatles and Beach Boys were a lot of like stuff that cannot be recreated live because it's yeah. so much studio work. Yeah, yeah. It is um, funny how the comparison happens because the way that people talk about Beatles versus the Rolling Stones, you would think it was this rivalry. Yeah. Like they were like, ah, I'm going to get you. And they were not. They were friends. They worked together. <laughs> they, they knew each other. And if anything, you're absolutely right, Matt. That was the thing. Like the uh, uh, the Beatles made Rubber Soul and the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson heard that and was like, oh, that's amazing. And then he wrote Pet Sounds. And then the Beatles were like, oh my God. <laughs> like we have to like, they were trying to one up each other constantly with their writing and production and uh, just like song craft, yeah. studio engineering tricks. Right, and the, the, the tremendous respect between the, the Beatles and the Beach Boys. I've heard Paul McCartney say yes. on more than one occasion that God Only Knows is the best pop song ever written. You know, and he's theory. absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably <laughs> right. But but yeah, and even that, that's your good point, because that's not a rivalry either. That was just a friendly competition of just being like blown away 100%. by one of your peers. And, and being I think like, how the can only, they do this? The only other person that I think impressed the Beatles as much as the Beach Boys would have been Harry Nielsen. Like they were flabbergasted by Harry Nielsen. Yeah, and of course he was just a fan too. Like he's his first record is just like Beatles covers because he just loved them so much. But um, there's, there's a great yeah. story that he tells in the documentary. Who is Harry Nielsen and why is everybody talking about him? Which if you have not seen that music documentary, easily like top That's ten great. music documentaries so, so, so ever good. made. But he tells the story of like he's like we put out I put out the album and my phone rings and it's like hey this is Paul Paul McCartney heard the album love it. And I was like, yeah, sure it is. I hang up with her. <laughs> he goes, and then I get a call and it's, hey, this is George Harrison. Heard the album. Absolutely love it. And I'm like, sure thing. And he hangs up. He goes, I get a third call. Hey, this is John Lennon. Heard the record. Absolutely love it. He goes, so then I just sat by the phone waiting for Ringo to call. He never did, but I was his best man at his wedding. So I guess that counts for something. Um, I would have thought that the you know, the better end of that story would have been like Ringo actually does call. And he's like, well, this must be real because no one would pretend to be Ringo. No one would pretend to be Ringo. Um, the, so the other thing that I've learned with the Rolling Stones, um, and this may also say a lot about where I land on this polka as a whole, is that I've really kind of learned that I... Definitely like the Rolling Stones deep cuts way more than the big hits. Mm. Um, like my favorite, probably at this point in time, my favorite Stones song is 100 Years Off of Goathead Soup, which is like not exactly a, a big hit song. And prior to that, it was like She Smiled Sweetly. You know what I mean? Like I think right. that there's these cool 
b-sides on their records that are way more in that like bluesy almost indie rock sound Mm -hmm. um it makes sense why when you listen to those songs it makes sense why the rolling stones show up in a lot of like wes anderson albums or movies because like those un those those b-sides tend to be you can feel the influence of what that led to in even like 90s and 2000s indie rock musicianship. Yeah, you, you almost feel like a song like <laughs> She's a Rainbow was designed to be used in movies 20 years later. It's almost like yes. they know what we're, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, this is, this is really ahead of its time. This is going to be great, though. You'll see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but totally. in this situation, these are all the hits. Yeah. Al's bringing, I mean, it's a reference to the Hot Rocks uh, 1964 to 1971 Greatest Hits album. Um, I didn't check, but I'm assuming that every single one of these songs appears on that Greatest Hits compilation. You know, that's a good question. Maybe not, because he does do Shattered, which I think uh, was a and, little bit and miss later. You, miss You is long And Miss that. You is yeah. also a later track. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he's just referencing because Hot Rocks was a very popular uh, comp for them, like sold really, really, really well. Okay. But yeah, no, there's a couple like later period tracks in here. Um, still hits, but uh, but yeah, not from there. What would be considered their heyday at this point? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny just to to back up uh, a little bit on the um, the Stones thing. I was one of those people who fell into the same trap that I was referencing about, like like when I was young, it was like, oh, the Beatles are the Stones, and I was such a huge Beatles fan, so like I was sort of like incorrectly, I felt like conditioned to be like, yeah, I don't <laughs> like the Rolling Stones, and it was at the record shop later in life where. I was encouraged by the owner of the shop because I was like, yeah, I never really got into them. And then she told me to listen to Christian, as you mentioned earlier, Exile on Main Street, which Great was an album, album I had not yeah. heard. It doesn't really have any big hits on it. Um, but even just from track one on Exile, you're just like, it absolutely blew me away. Like that is a an incredible, incredible album and immediately made me go back and reevaluate their entire catalog. I'm going I do to do agree. a uh, very quick self, uh, selfish and uh, self-promotion here. Uh, before my time with Kelsey Laurie, another podcast I produce, we did do a track-by-track breakdown of Exile on Main Street for uh, one of its anniversaries. There you uh, go. So check go it check out. out that for a yeah. deeper dive on why that album rules. It, it's an incredible, <clears throat> incredible record. And as you said as well, Christian, the there's nothing... You can't... The greatest band in the world can't compete with the legend of a band that was short-lived like the Beatles, right? Like it's just nothing you can do. The Rolling Stones could have put out consistently solid records for 50 years. And depending on who you are, you might actually think that's the case. Um, But you can't compete with the legacy of the bands that went for 10 years and then went out in a blaze of glory at the height of their success. It's Uh, it's the same as Nirvana, any of these other acts. Like it's not, it's not a fair comparison. Um, it's, stones. it's the Chuck Klosterman proposed this in a book, and I've probably referenced it on here before. But the idea of like in some alternate dimension, Kurt Cobain is still alive, Nirvana has put out 20 albums, and Rivers Cuomo died after Pinkerton. <laughs> and like Weezer yeah, is looked true. at with the legacy and it's admiration true. that Nirvana gets, and Nirvana's looked at with the like, well, they started off good and then they just kind of yeah, fell apart no, after their Nir- third album. Nirvana would have <laughs> oh continued God. to put out albums that no one cared about, like Pearl Jam did. You know, I mean, at a yeah. certain point, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks like, to say because yeah. the, the Pearl Jam albums are good, but you're absolutely sure. right. Post maybe Yield being like the last truly like mainstream release. 
It's like, I haven't heard a new Pearl Jam song in 20 years. <laughs> At some point in the early 2000s, Kurt Cobain would have like produced a Linkin Park record and everyone yeah. would have been like, oh my God, no. My favorite was his, he, he pitched that he's like, I could genuinely imagine a world where a like 50 something year old Kurt Cobain in his cardigan is like on MTV Unplugged doing a loungy version of Lithium a oh my God. like Eric absolutely. Clapton doing Layla. Like, mm-hmm. like he's like, it absolutely could have happened. Yeah, yeah, it's It's an unfortunate, <laughs> tragic reality for artists. It's just like, sometimes the best thing you can do is die. I mean, yes, you were talking about the, the Beach Boys earlier and, uh, you mm. know, how much... How much bigger would the legacy be if it didn't include Kokomo? You know, I mean, if they yeah, stopped in sure. like 1974, you know, yeah, yeah, it didn't include John Stamos becoming an official <laughs> member of the band for a couple of years. Yeah, it's 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 very very true. Yeah, and now you have this weird split of like the Beach, Boys, Beach Boys who tour and Brian Wilson and other Beach Boys who are not allowed to use the name. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, um, all right, so yeah. let's let's dive into the Hot Rocks polka. Uh, now that I think we've pro- properly let the audience understand our feelings and where our we're feelings on the, on the stones. stones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one quick note before we dive into it. There's just a fun fact about this of the album polkas. This is the only one that they never played live. Huh? Yeah. This has never I been came performed across live on a stage. I, I was surprised. Uh, you I know this it, would have been a fun one to do at some point, you know? Right. They, they didn't, I mean, if we're looking at every polka, obviously they never did like the Hamilton polka, which came out recently and they never did the Pokemon the Pokemon polka Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's like soundtrack outsider stuff. In terms of a polka that made it on a yeah. record, yeah. this is the only one that never was played live. And there's, I, I think that that's another important thing to call out is that as far as I know, I'm trying to remember, this is the only time where it is all songs by a singular artist, right? Like you have Bohemian it's the first polka. Time. It's the is first it, time. Bohemian polka comes later, which technically is I feel like that doesn't count. Same. That's a cover essentially, but. It, well, I okay, it is. It is a polka by a single artist. <laughs> that is true. I'm talking about a but polka medley. it's different this, than this. This yeah. is the only, and then the only other thing that comes close is the Hamilton polka, yeah, which is Hamilton a medley of songs mound. from yeah. one show. Um, but this is the first time he's done a non-various artists yes. polka. I guess we can call it that. Right? Yeah, and I think that this is the, I mean, the Rolling Stones get the distinct title of being the only band, because he could very easily do a Beatles polka. You know what I mean? Like, that's there that's to do. But I, the I, Rolling Stones are the only group that he said, I can do a whole polka on just their hits and yeah, nobody and, else. And not only that, at, prior to this polka, he had already done the Stones in two other polkas. Yes, that's He true. did Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah, that was and he did, 45, I think, right? That's yeah. right. And then he did the Harlem Shuffle in um, uh, uh, Polka Party, I believe. You know, the most beloved of all the Rolling the Stones The most beloved hits. of all of their... But, but, <laughs> but that, I believe, and I tried to check this, and it was very difficult because it's just a long list of, of artists in his polkas. I think that makes the Stones the only artist ever who have made it into three yeah. Weird Al polkas. The only group that I think maybe could have done it is he, he did a lot of R.E.M. songs in polkas, but I think he only did two in polka form i think losing my religion and bang and blame if yeah. i'm looking at my list correctly here I, um because i know he definitely loves rem but he loves yeah. if you look at how many times if you include style parodies song parodies and polkas 
R.E.M. is covered more than any other artist in Al's uh, yeah. discography. <laughs> it's wild. And I think that the timing for why he did this, I mean, you can look at a few, well, yeah, different, that's a good a few different spikes why? in the Stones' popularity. You know, they definitely, they never really go away. But so 1989, they put out an album called Steel Wheels. They do their first big stadium tour, it, I, I believe since 1981. Huge, like big, you know, many dates. And so there was a lot of excitement. And like there was a song on Steel Wheels called Sweet Emotion or Mixed Emotions. And uh, I think it was the first time in a while that there was a new Stone song. And people were like, you know what? It's not terrible. You know, it was like people were actually excited about it. So yeah. I remember there being excitement for the Stones. I, I, I wasn't uh, able to, you know, convince my parents to take me at concerts just yet so uh, i didn't see them on that <laughs> tour i didn't see them actually for a, a little while later but i remember the excitement for that and just thinking back to you know this would have been recorded in 89 and i think what uhf comes out in 90 right so i i know uhf comes out in it's all 89 well, yeah. okay so that, that fits yeah, yeah. the timeline even better so yeah, yeah so i assume that that's why it was just like oh this is a fun time to do a bunch of stone songs and- it, it makes sense we also had talked about before about he did so again, it's obviously well documented. Al is a big Rolling Stones fan, clearly, because he keeps coming back to them. And prior to this, I think the last thing that he touched was he does a Mick Jagger parody of Ruthless People, which, as we have talked about on the show, is one of the most ill-conceived parodies <laughs> he has ever come up with. And on record, at least in some places, it seems like he asked Mick Jagger permission to do that song. Mick said yes. The song came out was a flop, but then Al was like, well, I can't not do it. Yeah. Like <laughs> Mick Jagger agreed to let me do his song. I'm really going to like turn it down. Cause now it's not as good as I hoped it was going to be yeah. like, there's no way like he just had to do it and he did it. And maybe this was in his mind, some attempt at like, I'm going to, I need to that. redeem myself. I, I, I'm, these guys like me, I love them. We got to do something that properly that, celebrates that being this said band. that. That also means that every time he's gone all in on Mick Jagger, it's been his worst selling albums. I, I was going to say also <laughs> on this record that is not uh, not successful at all. But I mean, the polkas are never going to like he never had a successful polka, really. No, this is really just for him. I feel like the polkas have always just been for him. Um, at least that's how it seems to it's, me. So it's also worth noting um, on this ep- uh, on this album more than any other album uh, to fill you in, Christian. Uh, we've been really, really, really breaking down when the songs were recorded in the yeah. general recording session because we've come to the conclusion, uh, if you look at it, this was recorded in six different sessions, right? And there was one three-day session where they did all of the sketches and Fun Zone, another day where they did Money for Nothing, and then the third day was the UHF theme song and Let Me Be Your Hog, which are the only, like that's all the stuff that is featured in the movie. Right. And then it was like three months later, three or four months later, they came in and recorded all of the stuff that does not appear in the movie. And we don't want to say that Al phoned it in. I don't think that that's necessarily <laughs> the case. But what we think is that they were like, we cannot release a soundtrack EP. You need to like, beef this out with more stuff and this was on the fifth of the sixth session the six sessions that he uh sat down and knocked this specific recording out so 
Yeah, there I would, is a I would reason imagine to also... a kinder way to present that would be just, you know, I'm sure he was so burnt out from having, you know, conceived and starred in a movie for the first time ever, really the only time, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, he was touring a very fair amount at this point. And it was probably one of those, like, like you're saying, you can't put out a movie EP we need you to record more. And what he probably wanted to do was, you know, just take a break and, and he could, yeah. you know, and he absolutely took a break after this soundtrack came out. It was three or four years until the next album and spoiler alert for listeners, not a lot of TV appearances in that time period either. Like he kind of disappears. No, no I think that years. the, uh, the Dr. Demento 20th anniversary special on MTV where he did, uh, whatever the polka is from off the deep end. I'm sorry. I don't have the name of it out the top yeah. of my head. And that was, the, it was the first time he played it. And I was like really excited because it, you know, it had, it had Nirvana, it had understand man, you know, it had all this stuff in it and I hadn't seen him in a little while, you know, and I was, I was excited to see him. And, and, uh, you know, I definitely had sort of started to come around on the polkas by that point. And the fact that it was like he picked all these songs that I really liked in that moment in time for for that poke, the one on off the deep end. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I poke your eyes out, I poke your eyes out. Yes. It, thank yeah. you. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I was saying, when I was a kid and I used to listen to the I, I had them all on cassette, I, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is the uh, the accordion songs. And then as you get a little bit older, you're like, oh, those are real songs. I didn't realize yeah. that. <laughs> and then by the time this one comes out, I'm like, these are all Rolling Stone songs. This is actually really cool. And then it's like, it's just a light bulb goes on. I'm like, oh, this is brilliant, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's just, it, it's so much fun to go back and listen to them. And even, you know, ones on, on later albums that, boy, you don't remember some of those songs until he. he I think I lucked out because the first polka I ever heard was the alternative polka. Oh, okay. And I was so, so into 90s radio that, like, I immediately got it. Like, I was like, this is ridiculous. Because I think that that is, like, the – like, that specific one, I think, captures what these are about at their core, which is, like, the 90s grunge movement was so angry and yeah. depressed and, like – just these nihilistic songs and to do them with like accordions and like a tuba <laughs> and like this dancey version, like it, it immediately made sense in my elementary school mind. Oh, oh yeah. Like, like if he ever wants this to is do ridiculous. a whole <laughs> album of accordion covers of nine inch nails, I would definitely buy it. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Would, yeah, I wouldn't have 1, to listen 000%. to a clip from it. I'm like, I want that. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 921 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. All right, so let's yes. dive into Hot Rocks Polka. We're kicking it out with It's Only Rock and Roll, But I Like It, and I feel like 
this is a perfect example of how not a Rolling Stones fan I am. It was not until he started singing the chorus that I even knew what song he was currently <laughs> recording. Yes. If I could stick my hand in my heart, spill it all over the stage, would it satisfy you? Would it slide on by you? Would you think the boy is strange? Ain't it strange? If I could win, if I could sing a love song so divine, would it be enough for your It's got that great little bit of just general, you know, um, you know, I guess what we would call, again, part of the earbook or polka, which is his little compositions that go around the uh, the stone stuff starts with a little interstitial like intro like that very classic polka vibe. And then, yeah, it goes right into one of the things I noted right away on this, starting with it's only rock and roll, but I like it is he really on most polkas he moves lightning quick between songs and he really milks these yeah there's he only like two like, that he zooms past this is like a, you get a full verse and you get a chorus <clears throat> of it's only rock and roll like it's it, it he is taking his time and he's really like enjoying he's he's letting all of these really like exist for a little while which I, I actually really appreciate I think a big strike though that he didn't start the polka with start me up um that just seems <laughs> like an obvious one it doesn't even show up anywhere in it just you know like he does not fumble. do start me You're up right yeah absolutely and <laughs> yeah, that would have been a that, good one to start with but yeah i, I agree <laughs> that uh, i like the the way that it builds as we go through the songs we'll kind of talk about you know how much it picks up but yeah i like that uh because uh i i actually i found a list of the time codes so uh, it's it's only rock and roll he does from 12 seconds to 50 seconds. That's a long time to have. 40 seconds of one song. 40 yeah, seconds yeah. of one song. And it, it's it's then it's 30 of the next one. And and I, I like how it starts to get a little bit more furious. Like, you know, let me, faster let me, and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep those timestamps up because yep. I think I figured out what the shortest one is, but I would love for you to officially confirm it. Um, the only other thing I want to say with it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Love the very end with the I really, really do, 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 do. Um, hey! <laughs> it's like, I, I do like that. And I'm glad that even though it's a polka, he still said rock and roll. He didn't say it's yeah. only polka, but I like it. That would have been kind of funny, but right. I think it's better to just keep the words from the song because that's what these I, are. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is a, yeah, it's a great. And again, the end, the classic. Uh, hey, to segue into the next, uh, you know, Al loves, he has this like bag, a really large bag of tricks that he uses for these polkas to get himself from song to song. Yeah. And that is one that I'll never get bored of. Every <laughs> okay. time I hear him do that, it makes me laugh. The haze are perfect always. Yeah. Uh, and then it bleeds into Brown Sugar, probably one of the more uh, controversial Rolling Stone songs in note on this one was that I do laugh every time that everybody's yelling brown sugar in the yeah. background of the chorus. It's yeah, great. where it just, yeah, da, 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 da. And then it's like, yeah, the, the big break for everyone to sing it. Um, it also sounds 
great following the again this is when we get a, a you know a verse and then a chorus and after that the instrumental section and the sound of al on accordion playing keith's lead guitar line like the the lead lick from this song sounds so good this is just one of those examples like every once in a while i'm blown away by how great the arrangement is like the accordion version of that guitar part i just love so much like i want to hear i want to hear more of that no, I agree it is definitely that. jarring hearing Al sing these lyrics. <laughs> it's very Wait, much. I, I, we have to acknowledge and he kind of just blasts through it. I mean, another just funny thing about this in general, right, is that the Rolling Stones are all about like sex appeal and swagger and uh, just charisma. And Al, of course, <laughs> at least in his gimmick, has zero of any of that. Yeah. So his like straight delivery and just kind of like nasally like spitting out these lines just like as if he is like a nerd giving a history lesson on the board (laughs) is like it's just so like that's if there's any comedy in what he's doing here like just straight comedy that's what it is right is this juxtaposition of him doing these very charged songs just right down the middle very matter of factly and and the point about uh you know the the band shouting out brown sugar it it, it makes you think about boy how fun would it be if he did do this live because you know that's a great time for crowd participation as everybody gets i know right so yeah it's a shame actually that he didn't because now in hindsight like now would not be the time to start doing this this uh, song no 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 i think i think this one might have lapsed i know even the stones have uh have uh stopped doing it because they felt started to feel funny about it. I I do think that from everything I've seen, I feel like this is not like, I think I don't want to walk into a dangerous zone here. I feel like the stones intentions were correct on this and they were just telling a very disturbing story of a thing that they did not approve of from the past. But still once again, in this day and age saying these out your mouth as if you're, you're the person. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, not, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't read very well at all. When you're when you're Mick Jagger, you want to have as few headaches in your life as possible. So it's very we're easy. Just, yeah. like, we're just not yeah. going to sing it anymore. It's very they're very yeah. lucky that they have enough huge <laughs> yeah. songs that it's not a problem. We'll, we'll yes. just skip this one. It's OK. One hundred percent. So now yeah. getting into probably one of my favorite of the Stones hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't always get what you want. I saw her today at the reception. A glass of wine in her hand. I knew she would meet her connection. At her feet was a foolish man. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you might find you what you need. Maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like Al is doing something really weird with the melody line of this chorus in the way that he's singing it, where he's singing it more down than than up yeah he's doing this descending uh he's changed the structure of the song a little bit you can't always get what you want like he's walking down with the with the uh, accordion notes as well which i don't think is in the original song if it is it's subtle and i can't hear it but um yeah it's a nice little change he also has that in the verses a a lightning fast like Like, he's really like as you said earlier christian this is like as it goes it just gets bigger and faster and the energy just goes up and up and up in this one it's very uh which i think he usually strives for but some of the polkas in the middle have like a break yeah yeah where they kind of reset and start over and this one does not well it technically has a break coming up for uh for miss you but even that doesn't lose any energy it just keeps say, miss flying you, forward miss you and this next one i think are at uh competition for the shortest song appearance which yes. is honky tonk woman right
seems yeah, like it is just in the, and out. The thing that I love quick. about you can't always get what you want that it has the uh, you know the very uh, Al. Uh, mouth fart, uh, which I believe uh, George Carlin called the bilabial fricative. You know, just the fact that we're getting <laughs> we're getting the the fart noises in the end, and, and it's just like, you know, I, I know I was like 13 when this came out, so this was still in the sweet spot for me of like, ah, yeah. there we go. That's what we're <laughs> immediately following for. the line of the woman with the glass of wine in her hands, <laughs> right? And yeah, it's the, a- the pop noise of the bottle yeah. she yeah, yeah. Right. it's exactly. great. Yeah, so the sound and, effects and really sound go effect, uh, yeah. a long way on this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, am I incorrect? Honky Tonk Woman, the shortest time frame, right? Uh, yeah, Honky Tonk Woman, uh, we only get 13 seconds of it before he jumps into Under My Thumb. And that's like, you know, like we were saying, it's building up until this point. But then the songs start mm-hmm. coming faster. He starts playing faster. And, you know, maybe why that's part of the reason why in the moment he's like, I'm not going to play this live. I'll be too, I'll be too exhausted. Yeah, it's like the Beatles yeah. singing uh, Twist and Shout at the end of their set because it's like, no, nah, I'm just going to be ruined. You know, so <laughs> exactly. I can't play the accordion that fast. It's so. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under my thumb, the girl who once had me down. Under my thumb, the girl who once pushed me around. It's done to me. Yes, it is. The way she talks when she's spoken to down to me. The change has come. She's under my thumb. But uh, yeah, so Honky Tonk Women, I think, is the shortest, although none of the songs really go for too long from this point on because he, he gets so many in in the, you know, the mm-hmm. next couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So the very quick, he basically just sings the chorus to Honky Tonk Woman and then right into Under My Thumb. And I, I wrote down, I'm, I'm listening to my headphones right now to remind myself, but I wrote down the instrumentation that's going on underneath Al is really interesting to me in this one. And listening back to it, it there's just so much happening yeah, on this he's, one. There's this really great, like, old school muted trumpet part. Yep. In Under My Thumb, that's going... Like, this is... Again, it's funny, because I said this. We didn't acknowledge, but we are... This is the longest break we've had between polkas, because he did an album without a polka. And now we haven't talked about one since we talked about Polka Party. Yeah. Uh, so for us, it's been months. I said on Polka Party that I felt like he was just getting better and better at these as he was going. Like his ability to make these transitions smooth, but also like get the arrangements like really like uh, to me. I, I feel it again. I'm not like tipping my hand to rankings ahead, but there's extra instrumentation and tricks and production value in this Polka that I feel like we have not heard before. Yeah. This is really very, very well thought out and well composed. Um, and he's integrating things that are in the Stones tracks, but I think in other ones, he might have glossed over them quicker and just kind of spat it out and moved on to the next thing quicker. But this is all really, really thoughtfully done while keeping it in the polka aesthetic. Yeah, no, I yeah. love the the Under My Thumb vibe is really, really good. The Under My Thumb vibe is really good. And then we get into one of my favorite elements of any polka which is we get into Ruby Tuesday, and I love just listening to Jim West just beat the shit out of that banjo. <laughs> <laughs> like, so goodbye, Ruby Tuesday. Who could hang a name on you when you change with every new day? Still, I'm gonna miss you. Just strumming like a like a bat out of hell on that thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He plays the banjo like he is trying to uh, hurt it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there's just so, there's so much going on in this. I feel like this is the most, uh, the most like you said, like there's so much production happening. There's so many yeah. extra elements that I think we do see in the future. Polka's way more 
than we saw in the earlier polkas. Um, probably the most seamless transition is off of Ruby Tuesday, where he literally ends with the lyric, miss you, very quickly does the miss you, woo-hoo-hoo's, yep. and then right into Sympathy of the Devil, but you're still getting a woo-hoo backup vocal from Sympathy. Like, it's... It's the, absolutely the most brilliant bridge he I was gonna has say, ever yeah, the, done in the, any the, song. The connective tissue he found between Goodbye Ruby Tuesday, Miss You, and Sympathy is fantastic. I miss you. Like, that is so, so, so good. And it's, I mean, he's brilliant, of course, for coming up with it that way. But also, this is the nice benefit of having, like, he's got a big, I mean, they're all still hits, so it's not like he's pulling deep cuts from the Stones. But he did have a lot of Stones material to choose from here. I think that, like, if he was super familiar, like, this just, it it opens a door for him. Like, if he's doing the polkas, like we said earlier, where he's trying to hit, like, the current pop music markers, he's limited by what's in front of him in that moment. And he wants it to be relevant and topical and feel like a time capsule of, of the moment with this, he's got at this moment in time where he's doing this polka in 89, he's got what, you know, like 30 years of music yeah, <laughs> to pull from. So that's a tremendous amount of catalog that he can look at to, to, uh, to really like, yeah. Get and, this and super slick. Don't forget how it's, uh, probably received in a very comedic way because, you know, this is about 10 years after miss you would have come out and, you know, bands who dabbled in disco songs were not playing them in 1989. You know, you were, that's true. You know, Kiss wasn't playing. I was made for loving you at that point, you know, and the stones weren't playing miss you. Uh, I saw them in like 2012 and they, did emotional rescue for the first time in like 30 years you know so it's like wow. eventually they kind of come back around and it's like oh this is this stuff is kind of fun i can see it for the moment but yeah the late 80s was like we're gonna just pretend we never did any disco but the oohs <laughs> and miss you were perfect i wish that there was more of it i'm bummed it's so short yeah <laughs> no uh, i was just saying I, i'm bummed that miss you is so short because yeah. it sounds beautiful yeah when the, it, it the, kicks the in. fact that uh he didn't <clears throat> get a note back from the you know it probably wouldn't have been Mick and Keith. You know, the Stones publishing was like, yeah, yeah, yeah use whatever songs you want, you know? And they, there, mm-hmm. wa- there wasn't an issue with using a song that maybe they were trying to put in the rear view mirror. So yeah, that's a really good point, Christian. Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right because it, it's super cool that he does use that. Like if you're thinking of the context of the Stones, like all of these up until this point are classic, like unassailably cool yeah. Stones hits, right? And then to throw in Miss You at this point in time, that was not a cool song. Uh, and I don't think he is throwing it in to make fun no. at all. It seems yeah. like it is right there with everything else. Like he is, he is putting it in between goodbye Ruby Tuesday and sympathy for the devil, like r- exactly even footing, which I love. I think that's just awesome. Yeah, I agreed. And then yes, the, the woohoos kind of come back a little bit with sympathy for the devil as we enter into there. Uh, mm-hmm. Jim West is back on his banjo and then, yeah, you get the woohoos in the background. It's, this might be my favorite of all of the songs, Polkified. 
Well, yeah. I love, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I love the the serious tenor of Al's voice where he's like, you know, he, the, from the start of the song, the please allow me to introduce myself. The idea that Weird Al might be the devil uh, is so funny because <laughs> one, I'd love to yeah. see him with the horns and the pitchfork and all that. But the idea you get to hell and then Al welcomes you there and he's, he's singing this song to you. It's just, it's perfect because he doesn't, you know, there's different levels to the way that he sings these polkas. This isn't the the high, like over the top one. This is like, this is, hey, this is serious business. Let me introduce myself. I'm Satan. How are you? You know, yeah. and I think uh, yeah. that's the fun of these these polkas is the, totally the, agree, the roller coaster yeah. in the best way that it goes up and it goes down and it, it, it surprises you. You know, it goes left, it goes yeah. right, everything. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, this might be, I agree with Matt, this might be the most fun moment in the, the polka for me is when he starts singing Sympathy for the Devil. Totally. And then it bleeds into, we get some more background yelling with, hey, <laughs> you, get off my cloud. Uh, delightful. Just uh, those yells, those those crowd yells are great. And and when I hear that song to this day, get off my cloud, I think of this presentation of it, the way that he says, oh. hey, you get off. Yeah. It's like, I, it's like, it didn't ruin the song for me, but I don't, I don't think of it the same way ever since. You know? <laughs> and I'm the, I'm the total opposite. Cause I hear the, Hey, you get off my cloud. And I immediately think of method man <laughs> kicking go. off M H M E T H O D man with, Hey, <laughs> you get off my cloud. You know I mean? Um, yeah, and again, a funny, like, the back and forth of it, right? Because we said, like, Sympathy for the Devil has this, like, much more serious tone for a second. And then as soon as this starts, we're right back into fun time. This is, like, instantly, like, a much brighter, happier thing. Um, yeah, like, the start of this with the call and response is a great little break um, following Sympathy. And then goes into uh, Shattered. Which I genuinely, this again, showing how lukewarm I still am as a Rolling Stones fan, I genuinely have never heard the song Shattered in my entire life. Oh, I have really? no clue what this song is. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's like, I think it's an early 80s hit, if, unless okay. I'm mistaken. Maybe it's late 70s. It might have even been a little earlier, maybe late 70s. Yeah. So it, it was, but yeah. It's definitely way past, like, their initial peak, you know. And, okay. Uh, it, 78, it, it's on Some Girls. Okay, yeah, yeah, see, that makes I sense. I just checked, yeah. You know, which, it's another great example of an album that uh, they made, you know, years after the Beatles stopped. Some Girls is, yeah. is right up there. But uh, what I love about this, and it shows that by this point, you know, my parents weren't listening to my music so quick closely you know it's weird al singing sex and sex and sex and sex it's it might be one of the funniest things he's done in his career it's just you were talking about you know he doesn't have that that bad boy sex appeal that mickey keith had and here's weird al say you know saying sex and sex and sex and sex it's very laughter joy and loneliness and sex and sex and sex and sex yeah it's hilarious it's as if he it's as if he did an expletive laden song you know it's just him saying sex that many times was so funny to to think about and we have joked before that in the in his polkas it seems like every once in a while he really relishes because he's so clean most of the time and he really relishes we said like at the end of i can't remember which one where he ends with the frankie goes to hollywood and ends with a very very triumphant when you want to come (laughs) yeah (laughs) right that's his big finale like i think when al has an excuse to be a little bit blue i think he (laughs) jumps at it 
Yeah. yeah. In my in my opinion. I think yeah. that's true. I think that's true. And then the sex and sex and sex and sex leads us into let's spend the night together. Uh, I don't think that's accidental. This doesn't happen to me every day, Walmart. Another song that I I'm pretty sure I've heard, but it's not one that immediately registers for me as a when I'm thinking of if you ask me to name ten Rolling Stones hits, uh, let's spend the night together would probably not be one of the ones that I was able to come up with on the spot. <laughs> That's a really good one. That's an early one of theirs, and I actually I would not have known this offhand, but that was uh, I just checked um, that was released as a double A side single alongside Ruby Tuesday. Oh, oh wow. So those came out at the same time. That was like a, that's a really good double. Yeah. <laughs> good for them. Well done. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like neither, neither one could be the B side. And, uh, you know, you think about yeah. the, the, the music industry only a few years later is like, wait, why did you put out a double A side? Why didn't you put out two singles, <laughs> both with B sides and you could make twice as much money, make <laughs> twice as much. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, no. And that's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great one. I mean, the, before I re-listened to this, I hadn't listened to it in a while, you know, before I was getting ready to do this. So I just wanted to listen to it clean the first time. And I kind of mm-hmm. forgot which ones were all in it. There were a few that I remembered, but, uh, so it was like the, the rave off as we've been talking about, as it starts to really build and, and the intensity, these last couple, uh, you know, it's just, it's so much fun to, to hear them pick up and yeah, Weird Al singing sex and sex and sex and sex and then let's spend the let's spend the night together you know a song that they yes. couldn't even sing on the ed sullivan show you know they had to yeah, right to let's spend some time together you know so it's uh oh, okay yes i definitely know this song then because i know that story and i've watched that performance okay yeah uh so i know we've given a lot of compliments to al throughout this episode on the transitions the transition into i can't get no satisfaction is real clunky It's like the music just stops and they just start playing a different song. There's no, it's not smooth in the slightest. It almost makes you think that a song was there and got cut at the last second. And they're like, well, this is how it's going to be then, I guess. Or, yeah, or they had finished it and they were like, wait, wait, that's not a good ending. We have to really, we have to really amp it up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so I would say it's a little bit clunky, but I think that it's like that because I think they ultimately really wanted to nail the riff to satisfaction. Like they need, the riff had to be there, like just as it is, as everyone recognizes it. And that riff and polka music are not compatible. 
No. <laughs> it, it just does not go together. And you can actually hear, this is some real like subtle music stuff for people, and I don't know how interested people will be, but when you listen to, uh, it's just the riff, and then the whole band comes in playing the Satisfaction riff in polka style. And if you listen to the bass part, Normally, it would just follow that riff, basically, is what the bass line does. But Steve J on the bass is playing all of these extra high notes and adding these other things to try to make that riff and the polka oompa 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 thing fit together. It is a little bit weird, but for me, like masterfully done. Like it, it shouldn't work. This, I, that, this is what it sounds like to me is they were trying to make satisfaction fit in this form, especially not just like the lyric of the verse is fine. You can get that in this form, but getting that riff to play on its own like that, it just does not, it's not meant to fit this sort of a, of a speed and, uh, and drum beat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, interestingly, you know, Devo had basically a hit with their cover of Satisfaction. But, uh, you know, the, the, I, I personally, I prefer this reimagining of it uh, to the way they did it. Theirs is very so, inventive. And like, I, there's as a, as a side note, yeah. I was sorry, Devo's version was so inventive and changed it that they basically could not integrate the riff. Right. Oh, yeah, it's their a great version. Point. Yeah, yeah. That's... The Dave, the Devo version does not have the da 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 because that line just needs this very straight drum beat yeah, yeah, to yeah. accommodate it. And Devo's version completely throws it away. <laughs> and Al is integrating it to the best of his ability, but it it was definitely you can hear the effort that they went to to try to make that moment happen. Yeah, but the yeah, uh, the the, the mm-hmm. most fun part is the the rave off at the end where they just keep saying satisfaction and what is that framing yes. device that he created called is it uh the 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 polka uh, oh, the, the yearbook or Ear, Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I had seen that in the notes somewhere, and I I didn't realize it was called that. But uh, to to just you know get satisfaction that many times, and it's a uh, it's again. I know we've uh, mentioned it a few times, but it, it just seems like this would be really fun to watch performed live. You know, because yeah. especially the way that it ends so big like that. This is almost like an you know maybe not the final song of an encore, but the first song for an encore. This would be pretty great. You know. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's really a shame. I I don't know what um. You know, the only other thing I was trying to think of, and I can't find any definitive information on this. I tried looking. I don't know if Al toured UHF. UHF. I don't don't think he did. I I don't think he did. I would assume he didn't, yeah. It might have been that simple that he just, because he did not tour UHF, he did another proper tour for Off the Deep End, and Off the Deep End had its own polka, which was Polka Your Eyes Out, which they wound up doing on that tour. So it might have just been a symptom of... It coming out when he wasn't yeah. actively on the road promoting no, I this mean, music. Al definitely handled UHF the way you need to, which is when you know, a movie comes out and does not do well and it's derided and becomes basically the butt of a joke. Just come yeah. back in a little while and uh, people yeah. take a short break. Yeah. And reset. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think that, uh, you know, and it was like it was one of those movies that, uh, you know, I grew up in a, a fairly rural suburb of New York and there was no opt- opportunity for me to see this movie in the theater, you know, uh, so mm. it was yeah. long afterwards. I think it was on when I was on VHS. I didn't get to see that. The, the, oddly enough, two of the uh, the, the biggest, uh, you know, busts of the 80s, uh, that and Howard the Duck were the two movies that I most wanted to see <laughs> that never came anywhere near me that I could actually go and see. Man, my parents were going to try me into the city to see the the weird owl movie but uh, i think people obviously oh, look man. back on it so fondly now but uh, oh yeah i definitely remember the moment in time when 
it was, uh, and, you know, it was definitely the butt of a lot of jokes. The, the you know, the Weird Al movie UHF. So I know, so sad, yeah. and feels so unfair in hindsight now. Absolutely, um, yeah. But Look, uh, we've said it before; it doesn't pay to be the first person to do something. And uh, yeah. I think Al, we've we've had multiple comedians come on this show already and say Al was doing comedy that was a solid decade, if not two decades, ahead of the rest of the comedy world at that point in time. So yeah, yeah. He's laughing now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> UHF is like a beloved masterpiece. Matt, I think it's time for us to do the rankings on where we place this on our personal polka lists. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm extra curious where you're going to put this, Matt, because <sighs> as you mentioned before, you're not really a Stones guy. And uh, so I'm wondering if you're going to place this like... I mean, okay, so we only have three polkas so far. We yeah. only have talked... We've talked about polkas on 45, which was on his... Uh, that's in on 3D. in 3D. Uh, Hooked on Polkas, which is on Dare to be Stupid. Polka Party. And Pol- polka Party, which is on Polka Party. Even worse, famously did not have a polka. And now here we are, the fourth one we are talking about. I think I'm putting it at the bottom. I, I hate saying it, but it's like I have to think of it through the lens of like, which are the polkas I'm most likely to actively sit down and listen to? Mm-hmm. And this is the bottom for me. I, I just, I, I appreciate everything that this song is i think that it is a master class in him really cracking the code on how to like make these transitions even more seamless yeah. and all of that but i just i i have no connection to the source material in a deep way uh and i think that that makes or breaks the enjoyment of a polka uh almost more than anything else to a certain extent so yeah See, i love ranking the polkas with you because this is well as as i've said many times i hate it when we agree <laughs> that's well and documented. Why do we never I ha- agree on polkas? I hate it when we, and we never agree on the polkas because for me, the source material, like, I feel like there's nothing he does where the source material matters less to me <laughs> than the polka because it's all about the spectacle of what it is. Like, it's the achievement of making this happen. Like, honestly, like, some of these polkas I've heard hundreds of times throughout my life and every time I go back and listen to it again I am like floored at how much work they must have put into this like it, it, it just and, and again as we said it's never been a single this is never going to be like a thing that really works for him if anything this is expensive <laughs> he has to pay all these royalties to do this like this is not this is a, a labor of love in such a major way that I just I I admire it so 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 much as a result, I'm tempted to put this at number one because, again, I really do feel like he gets better at these every time. I'm going to put it at number two, just below Polka Party, because that one has a little bit of a closer place in my heart, just from from my own uh, you know, like background with it. But I, I really do sincerely think that like each one of these, so far at least, has gotten better and better from a like arrangement performance composition standpoint he is just like they are just amazing at this okay yeah i think matt kelly matt kelly you had a uh, an observation that i think is definitely the risk of doing any single artist it's if you're not connected with that artist the polka is kind of lost on you you know i mean i think that yes if, correct if he did like you know a career spanning 
Madonna one with uh, you know some of the deep cuts, uh, I would probably be like, nah, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, one, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, but exactly. They, you know, having Ray of Light a little bit later, and you know some of the other yeah. ones he did, it works perfectly. But uh, you know, I think that, uh, and you know, maybe it's something that he's mindful of. But I, I do agree. I do want him to do a Beatles one. Now that I've pitched that out there into well, the universe, I think a Beatles polka would be amazing. But, yeah, but then oh, it, you know, again, I can't imagine. Then you, the then cost you deal with the that. publishing. Like, which ones yeah. does Michael Jackson's estate still own? You know, so then, <laughs> then maybe those are the ones he wants to do, and maybe that's yeah, a big yeah, reason yeah. why he didn't do the Beatles. You know, but, yeah, there's I mean, definitely a lot of like I, I don't know. This is another great like I would love to get some insight into this because this is a complicated thing. Like he can pay the royalty for these songs, but also he has a writing credit himself. Right. And generally speaking, like if you do a straight cover of something, that's just, you pay a fee and you move on. Like that's easily done in music. But if you're sharing the writing credit on a larger piece like it becomes this, way more complicated. it gets, it gets complicated. And there must be, like I said, there, there's no world. I, I know enough to know that he loses money doing this. Like yeah, for sure. sure. He's giving away more than he's earning. Yeah. So that is, again, it's just a pure labor of love. And that's probably best case scenario for some people. It might just be they might just be like, well, we're not going to let you do a version of our song unless it's a straight cover. Any interpolation like that could just be denied. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Christian, where do you want to put Hot Rocks Polka? So I've got the guest rankings in front of me, and I have to say that uh, I have not kept up on the guest rankings. I love to see that Nature Trail to Hell is still basically uh, number eight or so. It's like in the top ten, which that was the last time I was on. And I'm it actually glad- has been moved. I, I, you, you, you might be happy to know that it got pushed down a few times, oh and we've had multiple guests come on and be like, Nature Trail to Hell has no business being down there, <laughs> and it's been moved up many times. Yeah, um, and I don't. No one has ever said anything bad about Nature Trail to Hell. No. Yeah, no, and, and and I'm looking, and and Matt sent it to me on two screens, so I'm definitely looking at uh, all of the entries. Uh, it's it's very easy for me. Uh, there's a couple on there. Uh, I think uh, I Lost on Jeopardy is a fun one. Uh, Money for Nothing, Beverly Hillbillies, I, I was was never strong in my book, even as a kid. Mm. Maybe that's the thing I didn't have any atta- attachment to was the Beverly Hillbillies. There you go. So what jumps out at me is you have hooked on polkas right after Like a Surgeon. And look, I love this polka. It's not better than Like a Surgeon. It's not better than Christmas at Ground Zero. But I can easily push down hooked on polkas and the rest of the list. So I, w- I would put it above hooked on polkas. Okay. And Love then that. you get one move. You can move one of these songs anywhere you want. So oh. where where do you want to relocate a song? Well, I I am I am shocked that Peter and the Wolf is where it is, but <laughs> good good for whoever liked it. That's that's great. Uh, I, on the day we're recording this, that episode just came out. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So that has listen. just appeared. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I think that uh, I'm gonna move money for nothing. Uh, can I move it all the way down to cause living Absolutely, with a, yeah. Living with a hernia is much funnier to me, you know. So uh, all right. Yeah. It's money for nothing, yeah. Beverly Hillbillies at the bottom of the list officially. Do love the video for that i have to say the video is cool it's the style of the dire straits one but uh yeah yes but look it's always fun to talk about these and you gave me an excuse to i don't know i listened probably 30 times to this song over the last few days no, it's, uh, it's great and uh you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hear the stones in the same way for at least a little while because uh yeah agreed versions yeah. happy happy to do that to you christian before we completely sign off uh you have almost as many podcasts as i do so where can people go and check out 
the stuff that you do. Yeah, well, the stuff on Geekscape is uh, easily found. We do uh, the Geekscape book club once a month. Uh, we usually will tell you what we're reading the next month to give people a chance, but also you'll see from the title. It's like, oh, this is yeah. about that. I'll go ahead and read it. And uh, we, ha- we have a lot of fun with that. And uh, we recently moved the show that I do, Marvel Movie Talk, which is a little bit of a misnomer because uh, we're talking about television a lot of the time. We'll talk about comics a lot of the time. But it, it was an existing brand from, as they say, another network. So we yeah. <laughs> uh, we kept the name just uh, for for that point. And I have my own podcast, The Black Cast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. And I know how long it's been since I was on here because I was promoting that uh, we were going to have Dana, Dana Carvey, Carvey on. Was, yeah. And since then, I've had separately Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. So you can find both of those episodes, oh, video uh, or amazing. audio. And uh, there, yeah. And then there's uh, there's also a fun one uh, where I had uh, Carl Hamburger, who's the host of a show called Who Are These Podcasts, uh, which is a, a little bit of a mean spirited, but mostly fun row style show. And uh, I had him uh, basically pick apart the first episode of my personal podcast, The Black Cast. And uh, he did not go easy on me. And it was a lot of fun. So you can find all those <laughs> on the Blackcast feed. B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, you'll see some, so honestly, some some guests that I'm surprised that I talked to. You know, I'm like, they, <laughs> you know, I've talked to like members of Skid Row. I've talked to, uh, I've talked to Don McLean who did American Pie, you know, and and I'm just like, if, if, if they're willing to talk to me, I'm more than happy to sit down and talk to someone. So uh, just look for the Blackcast. That's the, the short answer for what you asked, man. All right. Love that. And we will be back next week with the title track of this album uh, for us to analyze. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 